Hey guys, welcome back to the Yes Means Yes podcast. On this week's episode, we have two guests from Unity Wellness in Auburn, Alabama. We have Michelle Mitchell and Sandy Fagan. Um, as usual, my name is Faith Domshev. I'm a victim advocate and outreach coordinator with Rape Counselors. Then I'm going to let um, Amanda introduce herself, and then I'm going to let our intern, and then I'm going to have Sandy and Michelle kind of tell us what their role is and who they are. Hey guys, I'm Amanda Carpenter and I work with Faith at RCA and I am the a victim advocate and I'm also the outreach specialist and this semester we have a great intern and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, my name is Mallory Wood and I am the summer intern at RCA and I'm also a volunteer with them. Hi, my name is Michelle Mitchell. I'm the Outreach Testing Coordinator for Unity Wellness Center um, located in Oklahoma, Alabama. And I'm Sandy Fagan. I'm the RN Clinical Coordinator for Unity Wellness Center. So my job here at Unity Wellness Center uh, as the tested outreach testing coordinator involves me going out into the community. Um, I go to um, high schools. I've been to junior high schools. I go to um, colleges, universities. I go to churches, um, housing authorities, pretty much anywhere that will allow me to come in. And while I'm there, I'm doing um, education. Um, I'm teaching the importance of um, HIV. Be, uh, getting your HIV test results and knowing your status, um, then if perhaps someone is there that is already HIV positive, I am able to lead and try to guide them into care uh, or either in the way that they should go, giving them options that um, uh, that they have. Uh, also, talking about HIV testing, um, prevention, talking about um treatment and care. We also talk about um, PrEP. We're not a PrEP clinic, but we do um, inform clients of um, PrEP um, as far as prevention and care. We do cover five counties. There are Lee, Chambers, Macon, Russell, and Tallapoosa counties. And we reach out to all counties um, all through the month. Uh, when available, when when we can, we're out in the community, so you can always catch catch us in one of the um, counties that we're in. But we're also always available here in our office for testing, and testing is always free here with us. It's always free, no matter how many times you're tested. Our tests are confidential, but not anonymous, so we do get your name and information like that. But it stays in our office. The only way we release your information is if that test comes back positive. We do have to report it to the Alabama Department of Public Health. But other than that, all the information stays in our office and stays confidential. So, you know, you don't have to worry about it getting out into the streets or even to East Alabama Medical Center to the hospital, which we are affiliated with, we are a part of, but none of our information transfers to them. So that's one good thing um, about us that we are our own little entity, even though we are a part of East Alabama Medical Center. So you said you guys, so you're with United with Unity Wellness, and can you kind of give us a big over um, overview of what Unity Wellness is? Okay. Like, Sandy, would you like to answer that? Sure. Can you hear me? Yes. Can? Okay, great. Unity Wellness Center is the HIV and AIDS clinic for East Alabama Medical Center. We provide primary care and HIV care to about 450 patients in the counties that Michelle mentioned. 
But one thing I'd like to add is anyone within the state of Alabama can come here. So we have some patients who aren't comfortable going in their own hometown and would rather come here. And vice versa. It goes all all directions. And any aid service organization in Alabama can seek any Alabama resident. We offer things, as Michelle mentioned, we offer the testing program and education programs. We also have supportive services. We have a special worker assigned to every patient. Um, we can help with housing. We can help with getting medications. We can help. We have a small food bank. Anything that we've found the need for, we've tried to meet. And as things rise, we try to meet them within our state, local, and federal funding. And you guys said you're associated with EAMC, with the hospital, East Alabama Medical Center. So do y'all just kind of like share the building with them? Like how are y'all, so how is, how are you associated with them? We are employees of East Alabama Medical Center. And we are a department of East Alabama Medical Center. We are off-site. We are over in the medical arts building in building number 26. Across from Dr. Stewart's office, for people that don't know. Um, and we're open Monday through Friday from 8 to 4 30. We see patients on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and do testing on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, unless it's a special testing event or health fair, which unfortunately, with COVID, we're not being able to do now. Um, when we treat all aspects of patient needs medically, we will refer them out to if they need ortho or dermatology or anything like that. We have doctors who will allow us to refer them, refer our patients to them. Um, we have a whole system of doctors that works with us very, very carefully and very um, compassionately. We do have a lot of uninsured patients, so those doctors are willing to work on payment plans with our patients. We have some grant money we can help our patients pay for things like that with. And we basically uh, are trying to be the center of their medical, meet, meet their needs, and be a one-stop shop with, within the ramifications of what we can do. Awesome. So, um, I know you guys have mentioned that you typically like to do an HIV kind of like 101 overview. Would y'all want to get into that now? Sure, I'll be glad to do that. Um, if I do, then when now is a virus. Uh, it is a winter virus, which means it attacks the immune system very slowly. And it's also a retrovirus, which means it takes its RNA and inserts it into the cell's DNA and replicates like that. And I'm not going to get too scientific. That's all I need to say about that. But that is one reason why it's so hard to control, because it is a retrovirus. And as soon as it gets into that CD4 cell, the CD4 cell starts making a lot of little HIV cells. So it takes three stages, three um, medicines at different stages to combat attachment and replication. And through the years, everybody's heard the horror stories about taking 30 pills a day, and that was true at the beginning of the epidemic. But we have now come so far with 
many, many patients can take one pill once a day and have it under control. It is a huge step forward. It's much easier for patients. There are much fewer side effects. And it's an easier pill burden because you're only taking one pill once a day. Um, it's, it still is very active, especially in the Deep South. The Deep South has a third of the population, but we have half of the HIV infections. And in the upcoming years, it's predicted that the Deep South is going to be the only place that doesn't have a handle on new infections. Our new infection rate is very high. And that's just unfortunate. But that's, that's the nature of the disease. I, I also want to um, add to um, what Sandy said is that, you know, with HIV, there are um, a lot of myths out there that um, that may that people think um, that aren't necessarily true. So that's one of the importance that we have here that we're able to give um, factual information about HIV and how how um, HIV is transmitted, because, you know, we, we hear a lot of. Uh, stories and read a lot of books and you know and even we go back to when HIV first came about you know and and how it was transmitted it is it's not like that you know so it's important for someone to get that 101 um highlight uh and we do that with everyone that we test uh we do a, a brief 101 with them when they become a new patient here we do 101 with them uh with Sandy being the RN and the uh medical um, coordinator, um, she checks in with our patients, you know, make sure, you know, that they know the truth, you know, regardless of what their numbers may be, you know, she's there to give them that little extra touch to say, okay, you know, we just need to work on this, but you know, you're, we're still good. We're still going to take care of you, you know, because some people think that once they get to a certain extent, um, that is there's no hope for them or we can't do anything for them. And that's not true. You know, if you're willing, we're willing, uh, we, sometimes we go above. <laughs> I think we work harder than the patients do sometimes. And Sandy has to constantly remind us, you know, we can't work harder than the patient is, is willing to work for themselves. Um, but, you know, that's the importance of the 101. So we can tell them about their numbers. Uh, we do go in a little more detail when, when we're with them. But we do tell them about their numbers, explain their numbers to them. You know, explain that. You know, you you can drink behind. Someone can drink behind you. Someone can eat behind you. Someone can sleep in the bed beside you. Someone can take a shower in the bathroom with you. You know, so it's important to have that little one on one with each client, so they are uh, knowledgeable about their diagnosis themselves. And it's so important for other people that are not infected with HIV to know that. Because I think a lot of people are so afraid, oh, you have HIV, and people, you know, just kind of sit back and they're like, don't touch me, don't want to be close to you because they're so scared of how it's trans, you know, how they can contact it. And so it is so important for everybody in the public to know how how it works and how it, it affects all of us. And, you know, we have clients, and, and Sandy can, can um, testify to this. We have clients that, are, that put out their homes, put out their churches, out of their communities, out their jobs because of the fear of the unknown. You know, they don't know, you know, that it's not like that. You know, it's not like COVID. You know, it's that fear. And so 
you know, we have to first, we have to reassure the client that, you know, you're okay. You know, you're no harm to a person unless this, this, and this happens to them. You know, like I said, you can drink, you can eat, people can do all this, these things behind you. So, you know, it's important first for the patient to know, you know, what they can or can't do or what, you know, what they should or should not do. Uh, and then it's important for the family or their support team to know. So we do have um, uh, a prevention education counselor in here with us that goes um, over all that good stuff along with Sandy and myself, you know, to tell the client. But, you know, if you have a loved one that we need to talk to as well, you know, we'll talk to them, not about your situation, but we can talk to that loved one about, um, you know, things that they may be concerned with, answer questions for them. I think that's great that y'all do that because it's, I think that contributes to like the stigma around it is because, you know, people are, they assume that if they have HIV or AIDS, then they think that they will contract it just by like speaking to them. And so I think that's great that y'all do that education and get that information out there so that people are not afraid of them just because that they have this. Right. Yeah. And Mallory, you bring up a very good point about stigma. And one of the questions that you, I think, are going to ask is what the psychological toll on HIV patients is. And the first thing I think of is stigma. If you tell someone you have cancer, it elicits a sympathetic response. If you tell someone that you have HIV, it doesn't always elicit that same response. And it opens themselves, they're opening themselves up for judgment, unfortunately. But that's part of the stigma of HIV. And living in the deep south, there are other factors that uh, add to that. But we have many, many patients who never tell anyone outside this clinic their status. And then we have patients, of course, we have patient um, care mentors who are very open and available to talk to patients through what they've been sharing what they've been through, comparing it to what the patient's going to go through or may go through or is going through. The stigma is our biggest single battle. It contributes to people not coming to appointments because they don't want to be seen at the clinic. It contributes to people not taking their medicine because they don't want the medicine at home and somebody asks them what that medicine is. It contributes to a lot of denial and um, that contributes to being late in the disease process when they come in. People unfortunately still die of age-related complexes. And they all could be managed and prevented if people could just get through the stigma, get through the guilt and shame, unfortunately, that comes with that, and get into treatment. I think it's hard, too, because I know just with us, you know, when we set out tables and stuff, and I'm sure you guys get this too with the with the stigma behind it, people don't even want to be associated with walking to your table right. at the stairs and stuff. It's like right. when they see HIV or, you know, sexual assault, people just kind of, they turn their head really, really quick. Right. And so that's, it's so hard sometimes to reach people even at fairs and stuff because of the stigma behind it because they're like, well, I don't want to go be seen at that table because, you know, I'll be associated with it. Um, And so that also is very challenging. And so, but, you know, that's why we keep setting up that table. Exactly. Just got to keep on keeping on. So, um, and because I know um, 
before I started working with rape counselors, you know, I, I did my internship with these South Alabama Mental Health. And, you know, we would set out tables about drugs and alcohol. You know, people would come visit the table, get the free pen, listen to you. But it was a huge difference when I would set out a table for rape counselors. Um, but, you know, it, it's a challenge, but we just have to trying and try to reach because if you reach one person out of that right. 15 people that came down at least did something so it's awesome yeah and I think too is like you say you know you keep showing up you know you you may not want to um come to my table but you know my name and you know where I'm at so you can google me so you know if I keep showing up you keep seeing my face you know, when you do, if you ever need me, or you, maybe not you, you know, a loved one or a friend or an associate or something, you know, because, well, you know, I, I keep seeing this unity wellness around. You know, give them a call and just talk to them. So, yeah, we, we do the same thing. You know, sometimes we go for testing events. We may go to a housing authority and no one wants to come be tested. But two, three days later, we may get a call and say, hey, I saw y'all at the housing authority. You know, can I come in your office and be tested? And we're like, yeah, that's cool. You know, it, it, I don't care if I test you there or I test you here as long as you get tested. So that's the mindset that we have to just keep showing up. Yeah. So you kind of started to touch on this, the testing. Would you mind going into just kind of like an overview, like if someone were to come and they wanted to get tested, how that process would work? Sure. So the testing that the test that we're using now is the Insta test. OK, uh, our test is 99 percent. Uh, it only takes 60 seconds. OK, where you used to have to, you know, I remember the first test that I got. You know, I had to wait a month to get my results. You know, even though I knew my results, I was still freaking out because I had that whole 30 days I had to wait for the testing. So now it's just a simple finger prick. We do a quick finger prick. Um, we go over the risk factors. Uh, we talk to you a little bit, do your 101. Um, and by the time we're finished doing all that, um, your results are right there. So I'm able to give you your results it's within 60 seconds. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, you know, it's confidential. Um, you know, it's it's a it's it's easier and it's um not as frightful as people think it is. Um, so yeah, it's it's quick quick test. We were using a test that took twenty minutes, um, which isn't bad in comparison to five days or three days or however long it took, but now we're able to do it in 60 seconds. So that's I think great. that's great too, because I know, you know, especially when people are in that situation that just like the waiting process and that like anxiety surrounded by it, you know, could lead to like some like avoidance behavior. So maybe, you know, if, they get tested and then if y'all were to call back like a couple of days later, they may not want to answer the phone and right. just because of that fear and anxiety. So right. I think that's amazing that they know like super quickly. You'll be amazed at how many people that come in when they come in to be tested, they're quiet, they're fidgety, they're on the edge and you can tell just the stress that's built up in them just to come in to be tested. But then when I give them that result, they'll be like, Oh, Miss Michelle, I'm so glad. You know, and then they want to tell me their story and I'm like, Okay, <laughs> you know, okay. But you know, they have just so much fear built up uh in them that it's like oh my god oh my god oh my god but then as soon as they get their result 
you can see a whole different person from the person that walks into the room with you. So, yeah. Let me ask this, and this may be kind of a crazy question, but right now, you know, we're hearing a lot of about COVID-19. We're hearing well, there's a lot of false positives and there's a lot of false negatives. How does that work with your testing? Is that happen or is it like accurate? Like how, like how does that work? Yeah, we get, we, it works both ways. I mean, you know, any test can be, you know, can mess up at any time. Um, so, but if a person does come back, test is, um, we call that a preliminary positive. When we do the rapid test, we call that a preliminary positive. So the first thing we're going to do is draw blood and we're going to get a confirmatory, uh, just to make sure that that test is, is positive. So, you know, it's not like you're positive right now. Okay, okay, you know. So we do do a backup test, if you want to call that. So, um, you know, if it's negative, we just accept that, you know. But depending on your risk factors, once we talk, then I'm going to tell you, okay, I really need to see you back in a month. I really need to see you back in three months. You know, we'll go on that. But if anything happens in between that time, come and talk to me. You know, give me a call and we can retest you at any time. So the point, depending upon their risk factors is how long I tell them to come back and let me test you just to, you know, make sure that we're really good. And when someone comes in, like, what is their reasoning coming in? Like, are they having symptoms or is it just, you know, I like just want to get tested like what what is the reason most people come in either one is um i just want to get tested i want to know my status or um i heard that the person that i was you know seeing uh has it or is fooling with this person or that person and i just want to get myself checked out so usually um it's along those lines yeah well, and Amanda, along the same lines, we get a lot of our patients from uh, local primary care practitioners are much better about testing now and from the hospital, from various hospitals around the area. who have come to the hospital sick and the doctor who treats them thinks to, to get an HIV test and it comes back positive for whatever symptoms they're presenting with. So a lot of our patients come from hospitals and local doctors. Okay, so our next question is, what do you do for sexual assault victims who are in this situation? Now, are you asking for if a sexual assault victim presents at our clinic or if as a saying, I am being a sexual assault victim as in the ER? I guess more of like... Okay. Um, like a victim like comes to y'all and um, like decides to get tested like if there's anything that y'all do that may be differently like with other patients if I have had a patient present um, a sexual assault patient present here at the clinic and I strongly encourage her to go to the ER to get a full sexual assault rape kit done um, she unfortunately declined, but I did everything possible within the realm of this clinic. And we did test her. And then we did tell her to come back in three months. It's an antibody test, so the body has to have time to build those antibodies. To come back in three months, and even if she wanted to come back in another three months. Um, but the first, the first order of business is to strongly 
try to get them to go to the ER. Now, often we have assault victims who had previous assault or adverse childhood events that just come up here. And in those cases, I do use my same training to the degree that I can, and then we try to refer them to mental health, give them an exact appointment, not just that, oh, by the way, you should go see mental health, but get them in with someone for therapy and counseling. Um, so I know, like, when we go into the hospital, we have victims, and through their rape kit, they get um, certain, like, anaphylactics and stuff like that. Is the HIV, like, test included in that, or do they have to kind of go do it a separate process? Um, right now, it's not included. Um, it, I would personally like it to be, mm -hmm. but um, we're just meeting resistance with the cost of the medication, and the theory in the same nursing is if the perpetrator is positive, is known to be positive, then we'll do it all. Now, if a patient asks for it, I'm going to do everything I possibly can with victim's advocacy and all my resources to get it for them. Okay. Okay, because I, um, I was, like, reading up on, like, the medication, like, for, like, preventative if they do think they right. might have been exposed or anything. Right. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't quite sure. Like, I know we've been to the hospital several times, but I've never seen a patient being, like, given one, so I was curious, like, it is rare that they're given the 28-day um, dose. It's not as simple as gonorrhea or chlamydia or even uh, trichomonas. Those are a shot or pills that we can give and make sure they're, they're taken immediately at the time of the assault exam. But the HIV medicine has to be taken within 72 hours. So if they present it after 72 hours, we can't give it to them. And they have to take it for 28 days. And that, that unfortunately deters some people from taking it. But we've again made such advances in medicine. There are only two pills once a day, and they cover the three areas that we're trying to stop the attachment and the replication. And it's for only 28 days. Okay. Okay. So, someone were to come in and this were or were not offered to them, but they did like express that they were concerned about like HIV, would then they be kind of like basically referred out to y'all from EAMC, like go to UDD Wellness and get tested? Absolutely. And being a UD Wellness employee and a school nurse, I tell them that even if they're not worried about it, go get tested. It's free. You can get it done. You can get it done in three months. You can get it done in six months. It's easy and something they need to do. And offer them the option of doing it. But I strongly encourage them to do it. And in, in that case, with, 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 like Sandy was saying, if like we were to get, if I would get a patient, I I have had some patients that have been um, assault, sexual assault. And for whatever reason, they may chose not to report it or get seen or, you know, things like that, whatever the circumstance may be. You know, once again, we talk, we do our HIV one-on-one. And what I would do, I would do a base HIV testing on that client. You know, that's going to let me know, depending on when the assault was, you know, 
this is pretty much your your baseline. Let me know what your 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 status is right now. And then I would tell that patient, you know, let me see you back in a month. Let's just do a follow up. And then let me see you back in three months. You know, and then let's go out to six months. And we'll do that, you know, until the client feels comfortable. You know, as long as their tests are negative, I'm willing to test you. You know, however long you feel until you're comfortable. But, you know, like saying to say, you know, you, we want you to be checked out. We want you to go and, you know, do what's necessary. But, you know, at time, yeah, you guys know, you know, sometimes you're not comfortable for whatever the reason may be. But we do establish like that base and, and follow that client so we can keep out as long as they're willing to come back to us. Yeah. In our work, I know with sexual assault victims, um, I could definitely see just with like um, some victims I've worked with in the past, even like the smallest things can be triggering. So I could definitely see that as being like a barrier. Um, I know even ones that we worked with who were like going through the legal process, they'll be like, I haven't called my detective in two or three months. I just can't do it. It yeah. just be too triggering. So I could definitely like see that being a reason why, um, just cause it's just too much, right. like, you know, want to yeah. push it down. So you might not have a statistic for this, but, um, about how many like sexual assault victims do you get that, um, have positive HIV tests? Well, statistically, it's very hard to study. It's very hard to quantify that. Mm -hmm. The information we do have is that 0.5 to 3% contract the virus in a sexual assault. And as I said, it's just so difficult to study that. People don't report in the first place. They're much less going to involve themselves in a study. But those are what the statistics the CDC uses. Okay. So, also kind of going. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Amanda. Well, I, my my one question that I did kind of have was also is so how many when we were talking about statistics, like how many when you have someone that's positive, how and they have a partner. The what is the statistic rate of their partner actually contracting the HIV? But since y'all have all the new medicine and there's so much research now, the numbers are pretty low on that, right? Is well, that new this is called U equals U, which means undetectable means untransmittable. And if they're compliant and they have an undetectable viral load, it is highly unlikely that they will pass it on to a negative partner. There are also medicines called PrEP, which that negative partner can take, it's a one pill once a day, that can help prevent him or her from contracting HIV. But if the partner who is positive has a viral load that is suppressed, it's highly unlikely that they will pass it on. And the reason I want to ask that question is when we talk about hope and because that's what we want to do. We want them to know that it's okay and that there's hope that you don't want them to feel if they are married, not married or dating or not dating that, you know, what it looks like with them being involved in a relationship in their future. Um, and with, you know, so that's the reason I, that popped in my head. So sorry. I just wanted to put that out there because I feel Right. We, and we do have a lot of uh, clients that are concerned, you know, like, oh, I'm positive. I can't get married. I can't have babies. You know, I can't do that. And I, yes, you can. You can get married. You can have babies. 
You can have your career. You can do anything you want to do. HIV is life altering, not life ending. It doesn't have to be life ending, but it's life altering because you are going to have to take that pill, you know, every day. You are going to have to come see us every three to six months, you know. So it's life altering, but it's not life ending. So, yes, you can have that baby. You just can't breastfeed that baby, but you can have that baby. You can kiss on your baby. You can love on your baby. You can love on your husband. You can kiss on your husband. Your life is no different from my life, except you have to take a pill every day for HIV and you have to come see us. That's it. You know, so that is a great fear that a lot of people have. You know, this is it. You know, it is not it. And that's when we are there to say, no, take your medicine. Come see us. Do what Keith and Sandy say do. And you're going to be fine. And the thing about Unity Wellness that I love the most, and I worked in a lot of doctor's offices. What I love about Unity Wellness is that we're here with you from day one. From your first diagnosis. We're here with you. You know, we're here encouraging you. We're here. We don't just give you medicine and go on. Like Sandy said, we have social workers that check in. You have to see your social worker in every visit. You know, our social worker social workers call through the month, you know, to check on. The patient has the ability to call their social workers. You know, they can call me. Even if they're a client, been a client, but they have a question, you know, they can call well, Michelle, I met this person and I just need to know this, this, and that. You know, I love the fact that we are here. We are able to be that one-on-one. And like Sandy said, some of our clients, we're the only one that knows their status. We're the only one that knows some of them's status. So, you know, we're their supporters. We're their encouragers. We're still their providers. Um, so, you know, I, that's one of the great things I love about Unity Wellness and I love that we really care about our clients. They're not just clients. They're not just patients to us. We really care. We really want them to be healthy. You know, people say, oh, y'all, you just want business. I can find another job. You know what I'm saying? I want you to be healthy. If I could get all my clients healthy, HIV negative, you know, people tested, that's fine. You know, that's what I want. But for the ones who do need us, we are here for you. And we take time with each client. We don't rush through. We don't, I mean, Sandy have clients in her office that come and talk to her, you know, because we're just here for that support. And without support during a time like this, it can be extremely hard. You know, you get that news and you don't have a support team, you know, that's hard. So we can we we try to kind of be that support team along with them um, along the way too. But yeah, I'm sure that's like extremely beneficial for the people that come to see y'all just to know that like they aren't alone and that they right. do have they know that they have y'all who care about them if they may not feel that way like in other areas of their life like they know that they can come and talk to y'all and that they can get that support and the help that they need from y'all. Um, is there anything else that y'all would like to add today or tell our listeners? Well, I would like to add, I think that Unity Wellness offers a place of hope for HIV patients. Um, it's still thought of frequently as a death sentence. People are fearful when they're diagnosed with it. Um, with education through meaning and through 
by nurse practitioner through every aspect of the clinic, we give them hope. It's not a death sentence anymore. It's a manageable condition, like similar to diabetes or hypertension. If you take the medicine, you can manage it. And things that happen along the way can also be managed. The side effects are a lot less on the medicine. The, the pill burden is less. The medicine is superior to what it was even five or ten years ago. So I'd like them to have hope. That would be my biggest my biggest takeaway for my patients is to not not sink in the hopelessness. Well, um, if no one else like has any comments or anything, um, I was going to go ahead and thank you guys so much for joining us today. I feel like this was really educational for me, even like just even learning about this resource and like how we can refer victims and stuff to you. So um, we kind of like to end our podcast on this question um, to have people, you know, what message do you want to give to survivors? Um, what message do you, would you like for them here? And even in this one, like any advice you would give to a survivor who maybe believes that they have contracted HIV? Well, I would start with, as I do with all of my sexual assault cases, you are a survivor. You are a survivor. You are a victim right now of a crime. But you are a survivor. You survived the assault, and you can survive with help and the resources we offer you. You can survive the, the fallout, as it may be, with rape counselors in South Alabama, with mental health, with community wellness, with the same program, use your resources. I always tell them use your resources. That's what we're here for, that's what we do, and that's what we're called to do. Michelle? And, and, you know, my thing, once again, is that if I do have a, I tell my clients this, you know, either way this test turn out, we're going to be okay. You know, if you're negative, we're going to cheer. We're going to be glad. Yeah, i see you back in three months. If this test is positive, you're okay. You're in the best place that you can be, Unity Wellness Center, because we're going to do everything within our power to make sure you're okay. So you're going to get through this. Once again, it's life-altering, but it doesn't have to be life-ending. So you're going to be okay as long as you uh, do what Sandy and Keith said do. You're going to do fine. Perfect. All right. Well, we have so appreciated having you guys on our podcast today. Um, and I guess we will see everyone next week. Bye. Thank Bye. you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.